Damo, can you believe Christmas is almost here? Thank God for Well and You, Bretto. If you're looking for inspirational gifts for your friends, family or colleagues, then Well and You have you covered. Why not give away The Jom, the iconic journal of me, which has taken the world by storm to help your loved ones create an incredible 2016. Or the beautiful coffee table book INQ, The Inspirational Quotient. This stunning, full-colour coffee table book with inspiring quotes and images is the perfect Christmas gift. To see the full range of Christmas ideas, simply go to www.wellandyou.com. That's www.wellineux.com. Thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. You're listening to A Quirky Journey, the healthy family podcast with your hosts, Joe Witten and Leah Follett. Welcome to A Quirky Journey. Join us as we share our family's journeys to good health. You'll find plenty of inspiration, tips and recipe ideas, as well as stories from everyday people who've struggled and overcome health problems and diet challenges in their own families. I'm Jo Whitten, author of the blog and book Quirky Cooking, and today I have with me Christina Matthewson. Hi, Christina. Hi, Jo. How are you going? I'm good, thank you. Christina has two blogs no less than two <laughs> I don't know how you keep up two I can't even keep up one but anyway uh, <laughs> one I is... have a business partner that helps so oh, that's oh lucky you one is called the joy of the home and that's about your gaps journey is that right yes it is and nourishing therapeutics is all about fermented foods yeah, and teaching others how to do it. Oh, I'm going to have to get on there and have a good look. So you're in, <laughs> yeah, you're in Launceston in Tassie. Yes, I am. And you um, teach fermented food workshops and what else? Do yeah, you do? fermented foods. Um, we did a gaps workshop um, okay. a couple of weeks ago, which was really great fun. And what do you do um, at those? Talk about everything there is to do with gaps. Okay, and do you do cooking so, together as well, or? Yeah, uh, we didn't with this one. This one okay. was mostly about information so people could work out, you know, is how GAPS something that I want to yeah. do and yeah. how would I go about starting it and, mm-hmm. you know, all of the little ins and outs of yeah. intro and they could ask all of those questions that they had. Mm-hmm. That's good. So that was focused on information. And how many would you have at a workshop usually? Uh, we try to limit it to around 15, depending on what it is. If it's just information, we can have more. Yeah. Um, but if it's a hands-on one where we're doing something, we kind of limit it to about 15, 16 yeah. so that everyone can get attention. Yeah, because it's pretty full-on when it's everyone cooking, isn't it? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but, but you have a helper. So. Yes, I do. Oh, I have good. a great helper, Kelly. Oh, that's good. Um, so what... I'd love to talk about today. Um, Christina has been on a GAPS journey for how long have you been doing this? Maybe three years or so, did you say? Yeah, well, yeah, 2012 is when we first started GAPS mm-hmm. um, and we had to have an intermission there yes. when we had a baby in a really traumatic birth. So we'll um, but we've been that. back on it again now. So Okay. Well, maybe we'll just start off with maybe you could tell us why you started what, what happened in your family to make you begin GAPS, that crazy journey? <laughs> oh, crazy journey for sure. Um, I remember it took me a full year, I think, before we started GAPS of just looking at it and going away and going, oh, no, we don't really need it, do we? It's really hard. <laughs> and then coming back to it going, okay, we really, really do need it. And why was um, that? My husband was really the instigator for us oh. starting GAPS. Okay. Um, he had really severe IBS uh-huh. um, and it really affected our lives because, you know, he was at the point where he was in so much pain that he couldn't sleep at night. Oh, wow. And so, of course, then if you're not sleeping at night properly, you can't function during the day properly. Nope. So he wasn't able to work full time or anything like that because he, he was had brain fog, he was in pain all the time. Like it was just terrible and he couldn't be the person that he wanted to be. No functioning like that he couldn't be a good dad he couldn't be a good provider he couldn't be you know any of the things that he wanted to be yeah so that was really the crunch point we'd tried things we'd done you know um, gluten-free and all of that sort of stuff but none of it was was deep enough for us to get the healing for him Mm. so then 
you decided to go ahead and take the plunge and do GAPS. How many kids did you have at the time? Uh, when we first started GAPS, we had six. Okay. And how yeah. old were they? <laughs> oh, I think my baby was still breastfeeding. Um, okay. So, yeah, my eldest would have been around eight. Um, yeah. And then so six and, you know, six in between eight and baby. <laughs> yeah, wow. And so did the whole family just go on to GAPS? To make it yeah, yeah, absolutely. I I was no. We're going to cook I, separate meals. I, no way. <laughs> How in the world people have time for separate meals? I have no idea. <laughs> I, know, I have no idea either. I know people that make three or four different meals for oh, their family. I know. I oh my gosh. <laughs> I think that's crazy. Um, yeah. And and how did the kids cope with the idea when you told them what you were going to do? Were you eating pretty healthy already, or? Um, I weaned us into gaps. Okay. So the way I did it was I started with one night one night a week I would do a gaps evening meal. Okay. And then two nights a week I would do a gaps evening meal. And then I'd get it to the whole point we were doing gaps evening meals every night. Okay. And then I worked on breakfast. Oh, that's a great so, idea. So then we did full gaps breakfast and full gaps, you know, dinner. And then I went, right, that's it. We can do lunch. <laughs> Yeah. And then we, we can really get into full gaps. And then um, we were doing that quite well for a period. And then I went, right, let's take the plunge and start intro. Oh, that's great. So pretty much full gaps, um, but slowly. And then Yeah, because I needed to get my head around yeah. what the dinner plate was going to look like and that's, without yeah. things like potatoes and you know, all of the other stuff that, you know, are not allowed on GAPS. I find a lot of people ask me, but what can I have for breakfast? I'm like, well, you just have yeah. like bacon and eggs and avocado and sauerkraut. And they're like, but what about toast? What am I going to have instead of toast? I'm like, just don't have it. Just have more of the other stuff. They just can't get their head around not having toast. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was thinking about toast on the way home today. Yeah. And I was thinking, wow, it's been years since I've really eaten bread and I don't miss it no and I find that um life is actually a lot simpler without having to make my own bread all the time now and then I'll make a gap same yeah now and then I'll make a gaps or a paleo bread but not very often because the kids aren't really that keen on it they'd rather just have meat and veggies and all the other stuff so makes it easier yep we're the same yeah (laughs) yeah I think I think when we started to introduce bread like in intro when bread was introduced I went man do we really have to have bread? This is a bother. Yeah, this is such a bother. Let's so we kind of left it out a bit. Now and then have some pancakes. <laughs> that yeah, usually goes yeah. down well. So um, that so that went on pretty well. How'd you go with intro? Well, we did two rounds of intro because mm-hmm. um, we did the first round and we were doing great. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we oh, went on to full gas. How quickly did you go through it? Um, we Well, we started with the 30-day guide. Okay, yeah. Um, so we, we did 30 days and I think I prolonged a couple of bits in there because we tried eggs and we just were so not ready for eggs. Mm. So we pulled them out and um, tried them a bit later. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it was we started with a 30-day guide and then it kind of turned into 40, 50 days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it took, By about, the time, it took at least six yeah. weeks for us. Yeah. yeah. Well, the second time we, we did intro, we did it, you know, pretty much a week per, per stage. stage. Which is pretty common, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, and that second time round was just really for us to get some more healing faster for Ben. Did you do the – so you did intro and then did you go on to full gaps and then go back to intro or did you just do intro yeah. intro? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, did, we did full gaps and then we went to intro and then we went to full gaps and we went back to intro and then back to full gaps. <laughs> So how long were you on full gaps before you started the second intro? I'm just curious because sometimes I think it would be a good idea for us to do that and my kids freak out and go, no, mom. <laughs> <laughs> Doing the second time round was so much easier. It would be. Um, because we, we already had been eating a lot of that stuff. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I kind of did what I call dipping days yes. where I would do a day and I'd pick, um, you know, for this day I'm home and we're not busy. I'm just going to do stage one. For all of our meals mm-hmm. and I don't tell them we just do it yeah, yeah that's right yeah. Um, I guess so we quite we, often do that as well yeah so our, in, in between our intros was about four months okay because he'd gotten so much healing in that first intro mm-hmm. and then when we we're on full gaps it really slowed down quite a lot ah so, so what we went, bothered oh, him? 
Well, he he was just sitting. Like we had gotten to that level where his brain fog had cleared mm-hmm. um, and his he was sleeping in the bed all night, which was like brand new. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, he'd had quite a few quite a few improvements, but mm-hmm. that those improvements had really slowed down when we were on full gaps. Okay. So he wanted to get another another level. Yeah. So that's why we kind of went back and did it again. Mm-hmm. And when did he, like you said, he had a lot of pain, did you? Yeah. How did that go with, like, when did that sort of ease up? Um, it eased up after that first round. He still has had pain, mm-hmm. um, but it was to the point now where he could tolerate it. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't stopping him from sleeping. Yeah. And you know, he, it wasn't stopping him from functioning mm. the way that he wanted to. Yeah. Wow. Okay, so that so you you went on like that for how long? For you know, since you started eight gaps, months, eight yeah. months, and then um, you got pregnant. So this is yeah. where this is where the story gets really awful <laughs> and sad. And um, so yeah, you you can tell it, but be prepared, <laughs> guys, for tears. <laughs> oh boy. Go ahead and tell us um, your story. <laughs> well, we've been on gaps for this eight months and with all of my other pregnancies actually, like as soon as I found out I had about a week before my head was in the bucket for the whole pregnancy. Oh, really? Um, yeah, I was so sick with every baby. How awful. Um, and so then this pregnancy, so about about week five, mm-hmm. I would start start chucking. Yeah. Um. But with this pregnancy, I got to I got to week five and I was still not sick. Week six and I was still not sick. Hmm. Week seven, I was still not sick, and I was like, "Man, I'm staying on gaps this whole time. <laughs> this is great." <laughs> um, but you thought it was the gap, but it morning, wasn't. Well, it quite possibly was. Okay. Um, but well, yeah, I actually do think it was because when I went to the hospital. I'll tell the story so I don't get everyone confused. So at week seven, um, my son had gotten out of bed, my baby at the time. He was about 18 months. Mm -hmm. Um, So he had gotten out of bed and he wanted breakfast. So I went downstairs and I was feeling all happy. It was one of those mornings when you wake up and you know that you're pregnant and the rest of the world doesn't know that you're pregnant and you have that excitement. Um, And so I went downstairs and I had was making him breakfast and I felt a gush Mm. and at first I actually thought that I had peed myself. I'd never done it with any of the other pregnancies but I thought, hey, pregnant women do this, Mm. so maybe. Um, So I went to the toilet and I checked um, and I was sitting there and I just went, oh, no. And my husband, like he heard it in my voice just straight away. He's like, what's going on? What's wrong? And, you know, that was the beginning of – what was we lost our first? Well, we lost one of the babies that we were carrying, but we didn't know that. Mm. We just knew that we'd lost a baby. Yeah. Because um, as I as I stood up from the toilet, the baby fell out, and we're standing there looking at each other, holding this baby. We could see it in in its sack and everything. Wow. It was um, just a moment where you just look at each other. There's no words to be able to no. to say. Um, and my husband. It was also the day of one of my other children's birthdays as well. Wow. So there was lots going on. I looked mm. at my husband and he, he took the baby and he went and buried it in our backyard for us. Yeah. Um, and I cleaned myself up and thought, well, it's her birthday as well. I don't want this to be a completely terrible day for her. Mm. Um, so we decided we'll... Go to McDonald's as a birthday present mm-hmm. before we go to the hospital and spend the rest of the day there. Yeah. Um, so we did that and we went to the hospital. And when I got to the hospital, I was feeling quite sick. So I can't say whether that's the McDonald's or whether it was pregnancy <laughs> hormones. Probably I'm does. pretty sure it was the McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> but they tested my um, HCG levels. Mm. And when they came back to me, they said, are you sure that you've lost the baby? what do you mean am I sure that I've lost the baby I held the baby in my hands I know that I've lost the baby yeah um and they said well your hcg levels are really really high they're higher than what they would normally be in a pregnancy Hmm. and so 
they didn't do a scan or anything at that point. They sent me home um, and I'm just kind of left with this information of my HCG levels are high. I know I've lost a baby. I have no idea what's going on. So they didn't and it say took, come back or and we'll test you again? Okay. Or? Uh, well, it t- they had set up a scan for me, but it was okay. five days' time. Okay. <laughs> so I had like these five days of going, what's going, what's going on with on? my body? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and having this grief because we had lost one. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't until we went to that scan that we found out that we had actually had twins. Mm. Um and they could see where the baby had been positioned and, um, you know, all of those little intricacies. And then they said, you've got a healthy baby in there. Hmm. I'm like, what? That would have been oh. mixed emotions, wouldn't it? Absolutely mixed emotions because wow. oh, I'm the crazy lady that, you know, any time I got pregnant, I'd pray for twins. Oh. And now I finally get twins and I lose one. Yeah. Wow. So... We were hoping that that would be the end of it, but it wasn't. Yeah. Um, as the pregnancy continued, every couple of weeks I would have another bleed and it was like, is this the one where we lose the next baby? Mm. And the only way to tell was to actually go to the hospital and have another scan. Oh, wow. Because in those early stages you can't feel baby moving mm. or anything like that. Um, and so... I'd have to go and sit in the waiting room with all these pregnant women and I would just remember them complaining about, um, oh, my feet are so swollen, I can't wait to be induced and all this other stuff and mm. I'm sitting there going, I just hope I have a live baby. Yeah, wow. All the other problems seem so small. Yeah. <laughs> I remember sitting there with, with one um, one of my friends walked in because Launceston's a small place. Yeah. One of my friends walked in with her daughter who was pregnant and she was saying, oh, are you having another baby? Mm. And I'm like, I'm not really sure. Yeah, how awkward. I hope I'm having another baby, but, you know, I might find out in a few minutes that this baby has died too. Oh, that would have been hard to talk to people about. It was really hard to talk to people, and I'm not very good at, like, hiding stuff. Mm. I'm pretty open, so yeah. I just I, I wasn't able to hide my emotions. But mm. thankfully she was a a close friend and was able to give me a hug and um, sit there with me until I got my scan. Oh, that's good. (laughs) Yeah. But, yeah, so as the pregnancy continued, they discovered that what was causing the bleeding um, now was actually placenta previa. Mm. So my placenta was lying over the the opening of the uterus. Yeah. And, yeah, I was grade four, so that was the worst placenta that's the worst grade you can get. Wow. Um, and the other concern was that I had had a previous C-section with my very first baby. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, they thought that there might be a chance that I could have a Creta, but they were like, no, you're not going to have it. It's so rare. It never happens. Can, can you just explain uh, what that is? Say it again. Uh, which one, a Previa or a Creta? A Creta. <laughs> um, so a Creta is where the uterus, um, well, it's where the womb, the, sorry, it's where the placenta attaches too deeply into the uterus. Okay. So there's three three levels, and you can have a creta where it's just into that first layer of the uterus, mm-hmm. um, and then there's in creta where it's gone deeper into it, but hasn't gone outside of it. Mm-hmm. And then there's per creta where it has gone all the way through, Ooh. and then it can actually start attaching to other organs. Wow. Um, and in, invading in them. I've never even heard of that before. Yeah, not many people have unless you've been through it or you know someone who has. Yeah, wow. Um, Kim Kardashian um, may have it at the moment. Wow. Uh, so I, I'm in the rich and famous club. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. You wouldn't wish that on anyone, would you? No. No yeah. one wants to join the Accreta Club, no, let me tell you. <laughs> so anyway, so they just had assumed that I had previa. So they set my... Um, Delivery date for 37 weeks. Um, had they known that I actually had a creta, they would have said it earlier. Uh. Um, but at 36 weeks, I was sitting at home with all my six children doing our homeschooling. Mm-hmm. Um, my husband was off at TAFE. Um, because it was a traumatic pregnancy, we had, had decided that it would be better for him to study mm-hmm. so he could drop it at any time just in case. Yeah. Um, so that was, he was at TAFE, which was down the road. It's about mm, 10 kilometres away from where we are. Okay. 
And I was at home with the children and I was thinking, okay, it's time to get lunch on. What should I get? And then as I was just having that thought, I felt another gush. Mm. And I had that real dreaded feeling mm. of, you know what's coming. I know what this is. It's, yeah. And my heart just sank mm. and I ran up to the toilet and blood was just literally pouring out. I could have, yeah. I could have been peeing as much blood was, was yeah. pouring out. Um, mm. And I remember yelling at my children, quick, someone get the phone. Yeah. So one of, one of my children ran and got the phone and I said, go and get the neighbour as well. Um, so I'm on the phone to the ambulance and one of them has run and got the neighbour and I'm, I'm chatting to this ambulance lady telling her what's going on. And at the same time, my husband doesn't have a mobile phone. Mm. So I'm Facebook messaging him to say, come home quickly. Mm. I really need you here. And I'm Facebook messaging another friend to say, I need help. My, I'm bleeding. You know, I need someone to look after the children. Wow. Can you come over right now? She dropped everything, jumped in the car and, and drove over. Um, and <laughs> as I was talking to the ambulance lady on the phone, it's funny the things that go through your mind when yeah. you're experiencing that sort of thing because she was saying to me, are you sitting down? I'm like, no. I'm just, I'm just up in my bathroom. No, I'm not sitting down. Well, I wanted to sit down and I looked at the floor and I'm like, I haven't washed that floor. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> it's dirty. I could sit on the edge of the bath. She's like, no, you need to sit on the floor. I'm like, but it's dirty. I haven't washed it. <laughs> Spoken like a mother. Like, yeah. <laughs> Grab a towel, whatever. I want you on that floor so you don't pass out from loss, like losing too much blood. Sounds like you're a bit lightheaded already. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm like, okay, I'll chuck a towel down and I'm sitting on the floor and the neighbour comes in and she's like, oh, gosh, because she could see the toilet and how much blood was in it. It was oh. like a blood, like a murder scene had taken place. Oh, dear. Um, and the ambulance was coming and they rushed in and they're putting an IV in and getting me um, into the ambulance. And as they were doing that, I started contracting. And I'm mm. thinking, oh, God, we really don't need this right now. My baby's in breach. The mm. placenta's coming first. If that comes out, you know, she's only got a short amount of time to get out before she's dead. Wow. And so I've got all of this stuff going through my head. My husband arrived home just as the ambulance was about to leave, so he got to say a quick goodbye to me then. Mm. Um, and on the way to the the ambulance, on the way in the ambulance to the hospital, um, the ambulance officers were monitoring everything, calling ahead to make sure that the OL was ready and that they were getting blood ready and so on. Um, and contractions were coming, and I turned to the poor ambulance guy and I said. If this baby comes, I don't care how much it hurts, you just reach in and yank as hard as you can and get her out. Oh. And he says to the other ambulance, go faster. <laughs> I bet he did. Yeah. Oh, wow. That would have been so, a pretty scary yeah. ride for him as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And so we, they took me straight in um, into the OR. The doctors had been prepped quickly to get ready for me. And I had about two minutes to say goodbye to my husband. Mm. And at the time I went, it's okay, I'm going to be fine. We're going to see a baby in a few minutes. I don't, I don't really want to spend time saying goodbye to you because I just want to get in there and get this baby out. Yeah. Uh, but had I known what was coming next, I probably would have said my goodbyes a bit better. Mm. Um, they wheeled me into the OR and as I'm on the bed, um, the first thing they do is get the Doppler and they start checking for her heartbeat. Mm -hmm. This is when the whole operating room went dead silent yeah. um, because they couldn't find her heartbeat. Wow. And then it just snapped into my brain. She's in breach. Her heartbeat's not going to be where you're looking for her. This is where she is. Check here. Um, and they quickly did. And then it was like this whole room did this massive sigh <sighs> when we heard that boom, 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 boom. Oh, wow. And then everything sprung into action again. Yeah. And so from then on they, they put me out and it was, um, yeah, a, a while before I woke up. How long? Uh, six days. Wow. So for six days I was on life support. Wow. Um, and they had, take, had to take me back into theatre several times because they couldn't stop the bleeding. Um, so Why was that? 
they had presumed that I had accreta. I uh, know they presumed that I had previa, but when they got in, they saw that it was accreta, mm. but they didn't know what level of accreta it was. Mm-hmm. So they assumed it was just a normal accreta. So they took out my uterus um, and my cervix and yeah, pretty much that. And then sent me, packaged me up and sent me back into the, um, the ICU. Mm. In ICU, my blood levels kept dropping and dropping, so they sent me back to theatre, and that's when they discovered that it had actually gone through my uterus and it had attached to my bladder mm. and to my urethra and to um, my major blood supply. Mm. Um, so I was bleeding out profusely. Um, I used all of Tasmanian's available O-negative blood, wow. and they had to start flying it in from Melbourne. Um, and seeking to get enough here, <laughs> so it, it took them um, it took them about five surgeries. So they they open up my C section scar, do some more work, close it up again. Then they take me back to theatre and open it up again. Oh wow! So that must be quite a scar now. Absolutely. Mm. And they had to do things like cut my leg open to um, get access to other things. Um, wow. So. I woke up very, very sore. I bet, but you woke up. (laughs) That's the amazing thing. Absolutely. What were the chances, hey? Well, my doctor said for him it was like he was just keeping me here by the heel of my ankles. Yeah. Um, My anaesthetist said that he had only had one other person in his entire life that he had given as much blood to and they Mm. walked away from it. Yeah. Um, I was very, very lucky. Yeah. And how All the right you, people were in the right spots at the right time. Yes. How did your husband cope? Uh, he was a wreck. Mm. Um, that first night, yeah, that first night he spent um, until 9 o'clock at the hospital with very, very little news. Um, they kept coming and saying, you know, we don't know how she's going. We're not sure what's going to happen. Can we make you a cup of tea? Oh, the poor guy. Um and he would just hear them running past and every now and again he would hear the doctor saying, is there more blood coming? Oh, wow, that would be freaky. It would be freaky and, you know, after a little while they had brought Marcella out to him and said, oh, here's your baby and he's like, that's great, I've got a baby but do I have a wife? Oh, yeah. Um, and so eventually at 9 o'clock I came out of surgery and they said to him, you might as well go home now. There's not really anything you can do. We just need to wait and see. Mm. So he came home, he put all the kids to bed and he got into bed with my little two-year-old at the time mm-hmm. and finally got him to sleep and he's laying in bed and then all of a sudden he's being woken up by a police officer standing at the end of our bed, what? shaking his foot. Yeah. Oh. Our phone for some reason was on the glitch and it was not working. The hospital had tried to call him oh. to tell him to come in um, that I wasn't going to make it and he should come in and say goodbye. Oh, wow. Um, and so this police officer was knocking on our door for quite some time and then he turned it and my husband in his uh, state had not locked the door. Well, that was good. Yeah, so the police officer literally just followed the sounds of snoring <laughs> um, and found him and he, ben said he nearly had a heart attack. I bet. In it's just like your worst nightmare, someone standing yeah. at the end of your bed in the middle of the night. Yes. <laughs> Especially with terrible um, news like shaking that. your foot and telling you you need to ring the hospital. Oh, so he got that, that around 1 o'clock in the morning and okay. at that time of night he couldn't really call anyone to come and look after the children. Mm-hmm. So he had to sit at home and wait another five hours until around 6 o'clock and when he rang one of my dear friends and she rushed over so he could come in and say his goodbyes. Mm. Um, yeah, by that time I had been taken back to theatre and it was looking a little bit better. Okay. Um, but it Lord. He was a terrible. He was a terrible mess, and the whole thing was just god awful. But thankfully, we have an awesome community of friends who that's just. That's what I was going to ask. Did you have yeah. a lot of support? Yeah, we did. We had people just jumped into action. Yeah. They came and looked after the children. They made meals. They, you know, did things like take them to the park. Um, <laughs> I remember my friend Anita was saying to me afterwards that my eldest daughter said to, said to her. It would really suck if mummy died. Daddy can't cook or drive. Oh, no. (laughs) 
You've got a priority there. Wow. So there was there was a real um, coming together of the community and have you kept Absolutely. in touch with all of those people? Is that like Yeah. Yeah, they've kind of been there cheering me on as I yeah. as I have come out of it and um, you know, continue to go forward. That's so good. You just so just something that's so important. I suppose like you said, Launceston's a smaller place too, which helps and I know living in a small country community it's very much like that it's it's difficult if you don't have the family and friends and the community around you isn't it absolutely and I think yeah a lot don't Mm. and it makes it so much harder I I see some of my Akrita sisters and they have you know very little support and I feel so much for them yeah so what happened next you you um came out of um came out of it after six days and oh my gosh yes <laughs> you I, must have been a bit shocked I, I literally woke up and still had my um incubator thing on so I still had a machine breathing for me mm-hmm. um and my hands were tied down so that I couldn't pull it off reach it yeah mm-hmm. and they had a system that kind of like if you could get your hands close enough you, you would gag Wow. So they could be warned that you were trying to pull this thing out. Wow. Um, but it was it was awful. Yeah, I think it would Not be. Not something I would ever want to do again. No. <laughs> and I remember sitting there and people were trying to talk to me and I was just like seething with anger because I had this thing in my throat and I wanted to get it out and I couldn't do that. Oh, and, and your hands tied down. That would be so awful. Your hands tied down and I couldn't talk and, you know, it's a whole new level of experience. I bet. Of not having control over what's happening to you. Yeah. Um, eventually they had taken that out and I had tubes everywhere. When Literally. Did you, when did you Every hole to- there was a tube in. Oh, gross. When did you get to see the baby? <laughs> um, well, what had happened was at day two, that time when, when they had um, called Ben to mm-hmm. say that I wasn't going to survive, she was doing fine in the NICU. So the NICU decided to bring her down and put her on my chest. Um, And they took photos of that because they wanted to have her to have memories and Ben and my family to have memories in case I didn't make it. Um, And even they were surprised that when they put her on my chest, I responded. For a few moments. Well, yeah, for a few moments I actually woke up briefly and I rubbed my chin on her head. Oh, that's so beautiful. And then I went back to sleep. And I distinctly remembered that. I remember having this, this moment of waking up and rubbing my chin on her head, thinking that I was in recovery. Yeah. Um, but I didn't know at the time that I was actually in ICU about to go back to theatre to yeah. have more operations. So did they bring her in like each day or? Um, they did that a couple of times and then on day six when I woke up, I didn't get to see her at all. Um, I got to see her the next day. Yeah. So they would bring her down and um, try and get her to feed, which was really difficult for me because I had literally no strength. No. Um, I was so weak. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't even move myself. Like um, I had two men that would come every two hours and roll me over. Mm -hmm. My husband is one of those men. That's his job. Well, unfortunately at the time I was probably not so nice to them in my head. (laughs) They're used to it, don't worry. I couldn't verbalise how I was feeling, but it was like excruciating pain every time they moved me. It was like knives going through me. So I would be screaming in my head at them. And then it would take me the whole two hours to slowly move myself back to centre where I wasn't in pain. Yep. And then they'd come and move me to the other side. Oh, horrors. <laughs> but you couldn't communicate that. I couldn't communicate it. Oh, that's And so then finally when I could, they said, well, we have to do it anyway. Yeah, because of bed sores. <laughs> yeah, because of bed sores. Yeah. Yeah, you don't want those on top of everything else. No. Oh, and so the baby was got to the stage where she was feeding okay. Did you manage to breastfeed? Um, I was never able to manage to breastfeed because mm. my body just had had enough. Yeah, it's not surprising. Um, you wouldn't have had, like, all losing all that blood and everything. Would yeah, be- I was 14 times the amount of blood that it, uh, everyone just has. Wow. Okay. So, <laughs> so I literally poured through it. 
So the, the doctor was saying as fast as we were putting it in, it was as fast as it was coming out hmm. all over our feet and on the floor and stuff. Oh, that's unbelievable. Yes. So I think my, my medical team were a little bit traumatised by it because he was saying as well, um, when he was explaining about when he was taking the placenta out, he had to feel with his hands to work out what was me and what was placenta because oh, he had, had yeah. no line of sight because of all the blood. Yeah. Um, and it was just by feel. Mm. Wow. So when you, how long before you could go home? It took a month to be able to go home. Um, Marcella was 36 weeks when she was born. Um, she did pretty well. I mean, other than when she was first born, she had to be resuscitated. Yeah. Um, but they got her going pretty quickly. Um, and she, other than feeding and, and doing other things that preemie babies do, she was doing great. Um, she was actually able to go home before I was. Yeah. Um, but again, thankfully, we're in a small country town, and um, the hospital just felt so sorry for me that they kept my baby in the NICU for another week. Oh, so it was very lovely of them. Oh, that's good. So Thank how um, how did you cope with all that time in hospital away from the kids? That would have been difficult. It was really hard. Um, especially with my two-year-old because my husband um, thought it was wiser that he didn't come in and see me, especially with, you know, I had I had big fat needles in my neck and in the veins oh. of my neck and, yeah. like, there was tubes everywhere. Oh, he must have um, been asking about mummy all the time, poor little thing. Yeah. Um, and he was really shy as well, so we had people looking after him and he wouldn't take food from them. Oh, no. So he was probably hungry that whole time as well too. Oh, poor little darling. Yeah. All and good then now. I, yes, all good now. <laughs> But when I got home, he didn't remember me, and that was crushing. That would have been terrible. He, he wouldn't come near me. He wouldn't interact with me, and um, I think that was another heartbreak on top of heartbreak on top of heartbreak. Yeah. In that experience. Um, well, you've been through a lot. <laughs> yeah. So how long till he got used to you again? Um, it took another good four weeks wow. because also, too, I still I came home with a bladder bag, and I had another black. Like I had a stoma bag and, mm-hmm. you know, I had all sorts of things still. Yeah. So it was, Very you know, still, still foreign. Yeah. Yeah. But you did get to go home, which is a blessing. Yes. And a miracle. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So you know, how women long? Don't. Yeah. How long is it now since all this happened? Uh, a bit over two years now. Okay. So it. Took a really long time to recover. Mm, I bet. Like that first day that I walked home was when I re- when it really sunk into me how debilitated I had been mm. because I walked up our stairs and we have only four stairs at our front door mm-hmm. and I was literally not sure that I could get up them. Yeah. And I was thinking, gosh, four weeks ago I could run up these stairs. Yeah. And now I have to have people help lift me up the stairs. So did you have to stay in bed a lot? Um, we set up a chair downstairs that I could sit in. Mm-hmm. Um, the kids had to help me get up and do things like go to bed. Often I had them help me go to bed. Mm-hmm. And I'd be sitting mummy to bed instead of you putting them to bed. Absolutely. Aww. It was a real role reversal. I bet. And how old was your oldest at the time? Um. So that was 2013, so she was uh, nine, I think. Okay. Yeah. It's amazing what they can do when they have to, though, isn't it? Absolutely. And, you know, Ben, on about day three, day two, day three, he said to them, mummy might not make it. He had to have that conversation with them because he didn't think it was fair that if I should die that they had no knowledge of what was going on. Yeah, no preparation. Mm. Yeah. Um. So for them, they were really glad that I was home and they were eager to help out and yeah. uh, they helped a lot with Marcella. Oh, that's um, good. Helped a lot with food prep, cardboard yeah. pizzas. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you sort of um, had to give Gaps a break, I'd say? Yeah, yeah. well, <laughs> my husband is completely not very good at cooking. <laughs> oh, 
Ah, so is mine. Like, he, he could burn water. Yep. And he probably has done once or twice. <laughs> so there was absolutely no way that he could carry us with, with gaps. Yeah. Um, so it was one of those times where we just needed to survive through the next period yep. before we could then start looking at healing again. Mm-hmm. So how, um, did, how did his health go with um, – well, Actually, the thing that we found and something that we talked about quite a lot was how much of the healing that we had gotten in those eight months on gaps had stuck for him. Oh, that's really encouraging. Um, so when we first started gaps the very first time, I sat down and I did a checklist of everything and I said to Ben, tell me absolutely every pain and ache you have mm-hmm. so that we can record what's happening Yes. Uh, so we can see progress. Yep. Um, and so one of the things that he had is chronic back pain. Okay. Um, so he always had an aching back and it was, was sore all the time and that was one of the first things that went. But had I not written that list, he wouldn't have even noticed it. Yeah, he would have forgotten. Yeah, because it wasn't until I was sitting down and like about two months later and I said, going through our checklist and I said, so do you have this? Oh, yeah, I do have that but it's about a five now, not ten. Yeah. Um, and I said, you know, do you have your back pain? What? Do I have back pain? No. No, that's funny. It's like he was completely shocked that I asked him that he had back pain, even though he'd had it all of his life. Wow, he'd already forgotten. He'd already forgotten. That's and so, so yeah, a lot of his healing that he had gotten stuck. That's really good. So even though we were eating complete crap, like mm-hmm. literally cardboard pieces out of the supermarket that yes. they delivered to our house. Wow. Um, <laughs> Whatever you could survive on. <laughs> Absolutely, whatever we could survive on to just keep everyone fed for that period of time. Mm. He did um, lose some ground in some things. Yeah. Um, but most most of what we did stuck. That's so good. Yeah. And just really, like I found the same thing when, um, it wasn't quite the same, but we, you know, went to someone's house and got fed something we shouldn't have after about eight months. And usually I would have had a reaction and I didn't. And I was just like, this, this actually works. It just yes. is so encouraging. Absolutely. And that was encouraging for us too now going back on it that we mm. are not starting from scratch. Yeah, that's right. That we've, you know, now we're continuing. Yes. With, so, you know, did you, so did you go back to intro when you went back on or just full gaps? Uh, we've just gone back to full gaps because at the moment I'm studying full time and mm. – we know we're homeschooling, I'm running a business, we've got everything's going on at the moment. <laughs> you sound like me. Yeah. <laughs> Except for you've got a couple more kids. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's crazy. But Absolutely. But the thing is when you find what your passion is, you've just got to do it, don't you? You can't sit still. Absolutely. And I think after having the experience of coming so close to losing my life, yeah. it really propelled me into going, I don't want to waste. I don't want to waste any more time. Exactly. You know, it can we can be gone at any moment. We could yeah. walk out on the street tomorrow and get hit by a bus. Mm. And I don't want the answer to be, did I spend my life doing things that I wanted to do? Mm. To not be yes. Yeah, that's right. And and think of all the years that people waste sitting around watching TV and you know, it's Absolutely. just I just think there's no time for that. I've just got so much I want to do. Yes, yes. <laughs> Um, not that I never ever watch anything, but that's just an example. But yes. it's so um, good to hear that you've really jumped in and started sharing your passion. So, how did that side of things start with well, your fermenting when, workshops and everything? Yeah, well, when we first started Gaps the first time, um, I was recording everything direct, like in my my blog mm-hmm. um, of everything we were doing, everything we were eating, how we were feeling. Um, the tantrums my husband had when he couldn't have a cup of tea and <laughs> all of that. We recorded all, all that's of that. Good, that's good for people to know that it's there on your blog. They can go read it. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so as we were recording that, um, more, and people, more and more people were interested because they had been thinking about GAPS. But, yes. um, you know, the, the GAPS book in itself is not always set out um, that easily for people just to pick it up and start running with it. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so they were asking me all the time, how do I do this? And I'm like, okay, I'm just going to have some gaps workshops in my garage. Oh, that's great. So anyone can come along and listen. So we set up chairs in my garage and we packed it out. We had standing room at the back. Yeah. 
Um, and I just talked about gaps. I showed them food that we made. I let them taste it, answered the questions that they had, um, and that's kind of where it really started. Yeah. So was that um, just a volunteer thing? Like did you do that for free or did people pay to come? Or um, I did it for free but people donated money to me because oh, they good. Um, enjoyed what I had so much. And you were spending your time and yeah. <laughs> my good. time, my energy, my ingredients. Yeah. All of those sorts of things, and they were really grateful. Yes. Um, so that's where it started. Mm-hmm. Um, and so from there, I got often often asked to um, show different groups how to do how to do fermenting or how to make sourdough. Mm-hmm. Um, although that's not on gaps, that was one of the things that I used to show people how to do. Yeah, because it's well, um, it's once you've gone through gaps, you usually go into sourdough. So yeah, mm. I think everyone's eager after they've yeah. done gaps to give sourdough a try. Yes. um so yeah I would would do would do these things and um just got to the point where there were so many people asking and there was I needed to be able to provide for my family Mm. and there was kind of this exchange of I need I need money for this time that I'm spending Mm. answering your questions so that it's of value to my family as well that's right otherwise yeah otherwise you're taking away that time from your family yeah, you know, this is time that my kids could have and, you know, maybe if I had extra money then the time that I do have for my children we can go and do something fun that we normally couldn't do. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so that's kind of where it started from and that's as cool. well as my passion to see people healthy. Yeah. Um, I often I often have people come to me and they have been to their local naturopath mm-hmm. and their naturopath has done an allergy test and they've, they've said, well, you can't eat this, 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 and this. Here's some supplements. Goodbye. See you later. Yeah. And I, I would get really frustrated with that because, you know. They need recipes. They need how-tos. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> they had no idea what their dinner plate should look like yeah. after they've yeah. taken out all of those foods. They had no idea that they could even heal those allergies. Yes. That they, they had power to be able to take control back of their health. Yeah. That they weren't stuck with this for the rest of their life. Mm-hmm. Um. And it really frustrated me that they weren't, they were paying people but not getting that help. Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of where my passion has really come in, in helping people know that there is an option, there is a yeah. choice, there are things that you can do to help your system recover and, you know, you can live the life that you want to live. Mm. Yeah, and that's pretty much why I started doing what I do because so many people would just come to me and say, Oh, well, I'm supposed to eat like that, but it's too hard. I don't know how. It's too expensive. You know, it's because they weren't actually given the help that they needed. They were just told, don't eat this, 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 and this. Yeah. And so they're totally stuck. And so they give up and they go back to the things that hurt them because they don't know what else to do. Yeah, exactly. Mm. And then. They're living life in pain and they're not living it to the full because, you know, they may have to have day sleeps or they may mm-hmm. have to have, you know, times when they're crashing because their body is just saying, I've had enough. Yeah. When, you know, it doesn't have to be that way. No. That's really good. So what do you think, um, you've sort of touched on this, but what do you think it changed in your thinking um, going through all this? It's kind of like you just realise that you've got to make the most of each day. But what have you sort of – have you taught your kids that kind of thing now? You know, it's something that our kids need to understand as well, isn't it? Yeah. Um, they need to follow their passions. Yeah. Um, I think for me there was – the whole recovery period was re- a really long one for a number of reasons, one of which um, going through that um, experience left me with some post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, um, that's not and, common. <laughs> no, it's very, very common. Um, as well as I was suicidal for quite a good time in that because I was wow. just, you know, the post-traumatic stress disorder mixed with grieving, mixed with all of the other things that happened. You know, I wasn't able to breastfeed my very last baby. I can't have another one. Yeah. So I can't go, well, I'll do it with the next one. Yeah. You know, so then losing my fertility and, you know, I, I had wanted 12 children at least. Oh. <laughs> so... You know, there was all these emotions that were going on um, mm. and, you know, the one thing that kind of kept me from making the decision to take my life was that I didn't want my children to think that they weren't enough Yeah. to keep me here. Yeah. And so I was in this mix of turmoil and I'm 
I'm either a, I'm a real doer. Yeah. So I either have to get on with killing myself or I have to get on with fixing myself. <laughs> and so for a while I did get on with killing myself. I was like eating, you know, the foods that I know that are going to poison my body, mm-hmm. I would eat them yeah. because I, I kind of had it in my mind that it was a socially acceptable way to die Yeah. from these sorts of things. And but then, care you know, anymore. Yeah. But then my fight really started to kick in and I'm like, no, no, I need to get on with living and I need to make it good and I need it to make it the best I can and I need to do what I love and I need to leave great memories for my children. Oh, that's so good. And isn't it funny that a lot of times it is our children that pull us out of that? Absolutely. When we get that toxic mindset, it's knowing yes. that we have these little faces all around us, these little minds listening to us and yeah. we're so responsible for them. Yeah. And mm. something that I became really acutely aware to is that my gut bacteria played a massive role in that. Oh, yes. Moods. Um, yeah. During all of the surgery, you know, I had antibiotics coming in. They'd used some chemotherapy drugs on me. They'd, you know, used all of this other stuff that pretty much wiped out my whole system. Yeah. Um, and even today, like if I haven't taken my probiotic, I'm feeling down and flat. Wow. And do you so, find it make – do you – did you also find it sapped your energy? Like, so yeah. there's anxiety and depression and the energy and yeah. And even with the probiotics, do you find that helps with energy? Yeah, I do. Mm-hmm. Um, it gives me the bounce. <laughs> okay, that's good to know. <laughs> that I need. Yeah. And now you're back on top of things, hey? Pretty much. We're Pretty working much. on it. Like yeah. I've still got a lot of things that I need to, like I need to detox some of those heavy drugs out of my system still. Mm, that would take um, time, wouldn't it? Yeah, it takes time um, and I'm slowly getting there. But one of the other great things that we found with GAPS was um, my little boy has started talking. I'm so oh, excited. So was he having difficulties talking? <laughs> he was. He was a 35-weeker. Uh-huh. Um, and he was born prematurely because when I went to have an ultrasound, they found that there was fluid under his skin. Oh. Um, and so they're like, we need to get him out because we're not sure if he's going to leave. Wow. So, of course, you go and have the cesarean. And when he was born, he was born with a multi-drug-resistant blood infection and a hole in his lung. Oh, my goodness. You've had um, all sorts of... <laughs> Yes. Yes. So very shortly after that, he developed pneumonia as well, and they were giving him heavy duty drugs because they needed to knock out that infection. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was on some really heavy. They, I think they tried about seven different antibiotics in him wow. um, on his little premature body, um, and so he had some delays. Like he didn't start walking until like sixteen months, whereas mm-hmm. my others were walking nine, ten months. Easy. Wow. Okay. Um, so there was a big difference between him and the others. Mm-hmm. Um, and during my recovery, I didn't really have a lot of extra to, to give yeah. in regards to making good stuff. So I'd make, you know, GAPS food when I was able to get up and make GAPS food. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, it was whatever we can catch. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when we finally took the leap into going back into GAPS, I was like, yep, I'm really ready now to go back to GAPS. Um, the biggest surprise that we had was him. Oh, that's like so I good. hadn't thought a lot about it. Yeah. But looking on paper, I could see he really needed gaps. Yes. Um, but all of a sudden, he was talking in sentences. He was making eye contact with you. He's now he talks to strangers and he takes <laughs> food from them. Like, oh. <laughs> so how old was he when he started talking? Um, well, he started talking around two. So he was delayed in his speech as well. But he'd do this thing where he would say he would learn mum. And so for a little while he'd say mum, 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 mum. And then he'd learn dad. Mm-hmm. And he'd say dad, dad, dad. But he forgot he could say mum. Oh. And so he would do this thing where he'd learn a new word and forget all the other ones that he had done. Oh, wow. Okay. So his progression in speech was quite slow. Mm-hmm. Um, earlier this year I took him to the health nurse because he had to have his healthy baby or ready for school check. Mm-hmm. Um, and he wasn't able to pass that test because he wasn't able to communicate with the health nurse um, at four. Wow. What he was seeing um, for her to be able to assess him properly. Yeah. And I was sitting across from her and I knew that she was thinking that he had autism. Yeah. Um, but, you know, was kind of trying to nicely say I should get him assessed. Yeah. 
But in the back of my mind, I'm like, no, we're, we're going to go back into gaps soon and he's going to be fine. Yeah, and it did work out. Isn't that amazing? And it did. He surprises us every day. My husband and I will often be sitting down going, oh, did you just see that? Did oh, you just hear so what he good. said? Isn't it amazing the difference that it makes Absolutely. to heal the gut? Wow. Absolutely. It blows me away. It's like night and day. It's so good. So um, to finish up, because we better, um, we've just about talked for an hour, so I might just ask you, have you got a favourite recipe that you teach in your, um, in your classes that you'd like to just quickly describe, explain for us? You might have Ooh. a link that we can link to as well. My favorite recipe, I don't know that I have one favorite recipe, but the one, thing I, yeah, <laughs> the one thing I do try and teach people particularly is that fermented foods don't have to be just sauerkraut. Yes, that's right. But, you know, for us to make, to keep gaps interesting, I would make a whole array of fermented foods. So yes. we'd have carrot sticks and, um, you know, all sorts of things, fermented tomatoes, yes. like salsa, mm -hmm. you know, anything you could think of fermenting, I fermented it. <laughs> and I'd put it in a jar and every mealtime we'd pull it all out so their kids could choose one. They had to have at least one fermenter on their plate. Yep. Um, but quite often they liked so many that they'd have heaps. Oh, that's so good. Um, so that's the thing that I tell people is that there's no limitations to what you can ferment. Yeah. Well, there are a few, but mostly you can <laughs> ferment quite a lot. Yeah, I mean tomato sauce, mustard, um, garlic. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there's so many. There's I haven't so tried. I haven't tried very many compared to what there is. So I'm going to have to get on your site and have a look. Yeah, <laughs> there's there's loads, and it's um that's how you keep things interesting. And that's so true. I think with gaps, a lot of people get stuck in a rut and just continue eating the same old things, and they get sick of it and give it up. So yep. um, that I find a lot of the the fillers or the side dishes, whatever you want to call them, is what yep. keeps a meal interesting. So you might just have meat and veggies, yeah. but it's not just that on your plate. You know, you've yeah. got avocado. You check on some, yeah, avocado and you check on some like fermented cherry chutney and, mm. you know, all these things. It smells like Christmas on your plate. Cherry chutney, did you say? Yeah, fermented cherry chutney. Okay, that sounds amazing. <laughs> is that on your blog? It is. Okay. I remember um, one up. <laughs> watching one of the TV chefs make it and I went, I think I could adapt that for gaps, and now I think I could ferment it. Oh, <laughs> so that I did, and it works out perfect. <laughs> okay, I'm definitely going to try that. That sounds like a Christmas food. It is. It's great. It smells like Christmas. Oh, beautiful. Well, thank you for sharing. Thank you for you, for your difficult story. I know that it must be hard to talk about. Um, it's probably still a bit raw. Um, yes, there's, there's still times when I sit quiet in my car and I go, "Oh my goodness, I'm still here." Yeah, I bet. But I'm sure that it's helped some people out there because there's always someone else going through the same sort of thing somewhere. Yes, um, and just absolutely. To know, just to know that there's hope and that there's other people that have gone through it and also um, knowing that they can read your story about starting gaps too right yeah the start because yeah. <laughs> that's another thing that on a, on a different level that's a that's a traumatic thing for some people they find it difficult to even think of where to begin absolutely so, and if you're I in, still remember my husband rolling on the floor in tantrums <laughs> usually the <for> kids <laughs> yes that was his that was his gut bacteria talking that was <laughs> That's what my health coach told me when I started, Leah. She said, now, when the kids start freaking out, just remember it's their gut bacteria screaming for sugar, okay? It's not yes. you. Like, okay. <laughs> we didn't do too badly, though. Um, did, you want, did you want to mention, I forgot to mention that you're studying at the moment. Did you want to mention what you're doing now? I'm studying um, naturopathy mm -hmm. and Western herbal medicine. So I, I do do some student um consults as well as some health coaching as well to help people through gaps and so people can contact you through which blog any through the joy of the home either okay. will be fine they'll okay. find me okay through the joy of the home and you've got a facebook page yes and I have a facebook page and also a gaps group support group yeah we have the, the gap support group i created that when we first started gaps and i was like on all of the american ones and i went no i need someone in australia where i can find you know, we can share where we're finding our, our produce and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, I found that one really helpful. If I've had a tricky question, I just stick it in that group and then I go, right, thank you, guys. Yeah. <laughs> so good. Um, so glad to help. <laughs> yeah, you and Shailani and Mary and 
Yeah, there's quite a few good people in there now getting in there and sharing. and Yeah, it's really good. So thank you so much for sharing and for your time. Um, you're welcome. And everybody, if you're listening in, um, make sure you pop over to Christina's blog, so The Joy of the Home and Nourishing Therapeutics. Those are her two blogs and there's the Facebook page. Um, so I'll pop the links in the um, Wellness Couch um, page so you can just click through to those and um, check out check out the recipes they sound amazing and if you're in tassie yeah. you, need, you need to go to, go along to a workshop sounds yeah like a, we have a workshop coming up soon so okay um and, and they will find out about them through your um yeah if they jump onto the nourishing therapeutics and sign up for our email they'll get a newsletter and they'll know exactly what we're doing when we're doing it okay that's perfect so you can find out the dates there Okay, thank you so much. And, guys, um, if you want to listen to other podcasts about GAPS and about how our family began and what we're doing, go back to the start and have a look through the the podcast. There's so much information in there to help you if you're just getting started. Um, There's lots of different speakers and people being interviewed, so have a look there. And then you can also go onto thewellnesscouch.com and there's a lot of other health and wellness podcasts that are very helpful. Um, and if you've got any questions for me, feel free to pop them onto my Facebook page. I also have the Quirky Cooking Chat group, which you can join. That's a private group. And I have a Quirky Gaps group as well. So um, I'll see you around somewhere. <laughs> and thank you so much, Christina. And I'm sure we'll talk to you again sometime. Thank you for having me. Okay, bye. Bye. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.